June 22nd, 2013. BGN Radio presents Kevin's Old Blast Radio with your host, Kevin Baird. All right, so uh got to try to move my microphone around here a little bit so I don't talk directly into it. Otherwise, my voice will obviously start to, uh, you know... sound like shit so welcome back to the show um this week i had a lot of requests actually had uh, a few people uh ask me to talk about the recent uh nsa um, spying on uh, americans uh phone calls and everything and um i don't want to beat a dead horse with the uh with the topic in the sense that um you know, most of the, uh, you know, most of the conversations have already been had. Uh, you know, nobody probably wants their phone uh, tapped and logged. Um, and then some people say, well, you know, it's good that, um, you know, terrorism and everything. Uh, but anyway, let me date this so people like in the future know what the hell I'm talking about. Basically, uh, there was a guy who worked as a contractor uh, for the uh, NSA, and he revealed to the news or the press or the media or whatever uh, that um, the uh, National Security uh, Agency is basically uh, tapping everyone's phones in the United States where they log um, who you're calling and what time you're calling and um, you know where you're calling from and where that person is at the time that you're calling them and they do not apparently anyway uh, have any audio they only have the call log um, you know there's a part of me that always thinks in general that the government has always sort of had a clandestine program that listens in on phone calls and it's probably done through a computer system uh, and that uh, the computer system probably listens for uh, specifics um, you know words and things using some form of speech recognition and then uh, if enough keywords happen somebody comes in and reviews it I tend to believe that actually happens now there's an enormous amount of uh, telephone uh, or um, cell phone or even like internet um, conversations going on. The amount of storage that you would have to have in order to uh, have those, you know, calls in some sort of record would be tremendous. Uh, you know, even if you use all the compression and everything, just to move that down a wire and store it somewhere. Today, maybe they could do it. Um, but it would be pretty new. I don't think it would be something they'd be doing, you know, a long time. But I do think that at the very, like, lowest levels of uh, where uh, communication happens, um, at the real backbone sort of thing, it's more than possible that they could simply be sniffing those uh, communication wires for, uh, you know, keywords, specific people, that sort of thing. Now, look. Back during the uh, back during the uh, the Cold War, let me give you an example of this. Um, 
the Russians had a uh, communication line in the on the ocean floor, okay? And we, the United States, uh, had a submarine that basically went out uh, to where this thing was on the on the you know on the floor of the ocean and tapped into it. And to our surprise at the time, the uh, Soviet Navy that was using it actually did not encrypt any of their conversations so that uh, we got a host of information about everything that they were doing um, throughout however long this cable was good for. This is back in like the freaking 60s or the 70s or something. So, I mean, the, the idea that, you know, they can't do it or whatever, that's a bunch of rubbish. Of course they can do it. If they were doing it back then, they sure as hell can do it now because it's only gotten easier, you know. Uh, and so... I tend to think, okay, that uh, the National Security Organization, you know, has been in existence, I don't know, forever, since, you know, they, they're the, the largest agency we have. They're not really looking for terrorists in the system. I mean, some of them are, okay? I'm sure there's a small room somewhere where people are actively engaged in searching for uh, terrorists. Uh, that's absolutely true. But uh, for the most part, I think what the NSA is actually doing is they're listening in on other countries. And they want to spy on the communications that are going on in other countries, as well as the people that are in the United States from other countries that are communicating out. And the reason we do that is simply for the knowledge to manipulate things in the favor of the United States. And I have no doubt that other countries are engaged in similar activities. Um, this isn't just like conspiracy stuff. I mean, it's common sense stuff. Of course, that's what's going on. And, you know, there were times when, you know, in the United States, they found bugs from uh, Russia, Soviet Union, whatever. Um, one was on the presidential seal on the podium that he gave speeches on, okay? And if the Russians were doing it, you sure as hell can bet we're doing it. And we're doing it in the most sophisticated way possible. We spend a lot of money on spying and spy satellites and everything else. And you know there's somebody sitting around doing it. And they're all pretty much in the NSA, CIA maybe, um, clandestine military things in the Air Force, that sort of thing. Um, and so now we find that, you know, they are listening and logging the conversations in the United States. Now, here's the problem with it, okay? Um, it's being billed as something that is not being used for, uh, you know, foreign... Uh, I'm, I'm looking for a word here, but f like foreign communication. And instead, it's being used domestically to stop terrorism. And that's how it's being built. That's how they're telling it to us. Now, the problem with that is that the it sets a precedent that if we say it's okay, then we're saying it's okay to spy on us, that we're going to give up our privacy in order for the um, government to have more power to arrest criminals. 
Now, on one hand, that sounds like it makes total sense because you don't want a bunch of criminals running around um, blowing things up. Uh, but then again, you had the Boston Marathon bombings and uh, whatever this program they had didn't really do anything, right? Didn't stop them. But they come out and say, well, it stopped these other things that you didn't really know about happening. Maybe. Uh, maybe that's true. I mean, I suppose with the limited budget that uh, the government tends to spread around, I doubt that somebody's going to use this for something that is, uh, you know, not doing anything. Uh, the question is, is, what is it really doing? So my problem with it is that, see, the reason you have these rights, you know, the rights, for instance, not to be searched, uh, is because, you know, on the one hand, you, you'll sit there and say, well, if you don't have anything to hide, then you shouldn't worry about it. But that is in an ideal situation when the government is for the people and not for its own self-interest. And what happens in governments all over the world, throughout history, is that they become corrupted. And when they are corrupt, they tend to use the laws that they have in corrupt ways, and the court system tends to back those ways so that they can then use them against their own citizens. And so what is against the law today, which is obviously terrorism and blowing things up, uh, may become something uh, more benign tomorrow that you and other people will not be uh, too, you know, excited about. And more and more power goes to the government until, you know, they're not be, they won't just be searching you for drugs and marijuana and things, but they'll be having all of your information and being able to manipulate you as a person. So, you know, we have to draw a line on what we're going to allow the government to do legally, okay? Because when you say it's okay, then you're basically saying, I'm going to give up this right. I, I don't need this right. Now, Dick Cheney had a pretty good point. He, you know, he said, look, these aren't, this isn't privacy stuff. This is business stuff. The phone company owns these phone records. And we're going to the phone company and we're getting a hold of them. And it has nothing to do with people's privacy. Well, I mean, I think he's wrong. But it's a, it's a decent argument that he has there. I mean, we all pretty much sort of expect that the phone company has our records. Uh, the difference here is, is that they're doing sort of a blanket thing. They're bringing in all of this information to basically look for patterns of, uh, you know, wrongdoing. And, you, you know, if you had had a conversation with one of the terrorists at some point, you know, let's say you called them because you were selling magazines or something. Um, they're obviously going to have you inside some database that says, this guy has been uh, calling this number. I wonder what he's calling this number for. And they may not be looking at you that close, but the computer algorithms are going to be like streaming through it and looking at all of the, co the calls you've made and the people that you've made them too. God forbid you happen to also have relatives in Pakistan. And uh, the next thing you know, you could be like, completely getting enough suspicion uh, that they could, you know, authorize all sorts of extra stuff on you, you know, to um, investigate you further. And, you know, that is the sort of thing, the sort of uh, 
bad ideas that we have that, you know, may be stopping criminals. But, you know, you have to ask yourself where you live. Okay, the United States is a place where we gave up a certain amount of security for the ability to have a lot of freedom. You know, the British Empire was probably very secure, right? Because you had this big empire with a lot of military power who was uh, actively involved in fighting the evil French or whatever. And, um, you know, they had a giant navy and everything else. And the United States at the time was just a small group of colonies, right? They, we didn't have a big navy. We didn't have a big army or anything. Um, and uh, we were basically saying, look, we are going to give up all of this security because it's too invasive to our way of life. We want to be free from all of this tyranny that you guys have um, that you're doing in order to, you know, rule us. And, you know, you could say it's over taxes or whatever you want to say. But look, I mean, the British people are still around today. It wasn't Nazi Germany that was over there going on, right? It was just a bad king at the time. And we as colonists, my forefathers and your forefathers, not mine, I, nobody I know, I wasn't an ancestor of George Washington. But anyway, the people that's founded this country, the founding fathers, uh, decided that, um, you know, we were going to be a country where we were free from this sort of activity. And in exchange for that, we're going to have a sort of a harder go of it, you know, and, and that's that's true, right? I mean, you had to wipe out like, you know, um, different uh, people in the country, the French and Indian War, the uh, War of 1812, the, the you know, you had to clear out the Indians, I mean, for better or for worse, you know, once the things started getting bad between the settlers and the Indians, you didn't want to have your people, you know, out in the, the wilderness getting killed by a bunch of angry Indians. Granted, they were probably justified, but whatever. So, you know, the people didn't run to the back to the British and say, give us security because these people are all, you know, fucking us up. Uh, we basically, you know, got our own guns and went out and, uh, you know, blazed our own trails across the country and fought our own wars, right? Fought the Mexicans and, uh, you know, just, a, that's what the whole country was about. And in recent years, we've uh, become a real sort of, I'd like to say a capitalist society. We always were sort of capitalist, but, um consumer society and people are the government is so concerned now about keeping everyone employed and keeping everyone buying things to keep the economy going that that's all that really matters to them your liberties and freedoms and democracy and things are secondary to the ideas of uh you know consumer uh, products and things that you go out and buy because look you know we do deals with countries now and even as you know far back as you know 60s and the 70s maybe earlier than that where we are you know putting people into power that are not very nice and we're doing deals with people that aren't very nice and in, in the way of uh trying to you know have consumer products and everybody has a job and we don't want to upset the status quo 
And terrorists kind of fuck it up, right? And so people are scared. They're like, I don't want to have somebody blowing up a building when I'm in it. And that makes total sense. But, um, you know, the thing is, is that we, you know, when 9-11 happened, we weren't really in any kind of mental state as a country that there were people who really wanted to hurt us. Uh, you know, we thought about Iraq, you know, and that was a war and there weren't like uh, planes flying over here from Iraq, uh, you know, with people from Iraq saying, you know, we're going to mess you up. You know, we figured that that's why we have, you know, customs and um, uh, passports and all that good stuff to screen these kinds of things out, you know. And uh, we had no idea, though our government did, our government knew, but we had no idea that there was this whole... Uh, thing going on over in Afghanistan and Pakistan, Saudi Arabia and stuff, where they were um, a bunch of people with camps and things training to kill us, right? Nobody had any idea about it. And our government let us down because they didn't tell us about it. Because why? They didn't tell us, well, we didn't want to make a panic and stuff like that. But, you know, and the reality is, is that we have a domestic police system, you know, and uh, a domestic, um, you know, whatever, airports and security and things of that nature that uh, would have stood to benefit from knowing that these things were real threats that were out there and that people should be scrutinized and more of us should have been made aware of these possibilities and things. And, um, you know, the, the and so what happened? Of course, you know, there was a bunch of killing and destruction and we had all these wars that are going on even till today and there's a bunch of people mad at each other for, you know, um, imposing their own... Um, beliefs and everything on each other. Us on them, them on us, and we end up in these wars. Um, and so the people sit around and say, we want more security. We are ready to give up our rights and freedoms in order to have more security. And that's just not, it's not a good idea. What you need to do is you need to start taking a little bit of the security in your own hands. And I'm not saying everybody should go out and buy a gun and uh, go to training and uh, learn how to apprehend people and all this sort of stuff. But I do think that people should stop being victims and try and be a little bit more aware of the world and the fact that there are people out there in the world that want to do us harm and want to change our way of life and that in order for all of us to sort of um, deal with this, we need to be a little bit more... Um, actively aware of what's going on because you know look every time there's one of these terrorist guys things are going on uh, there's some real obvious signs uh, that people just seem to ignore and uh, there are things that uh, like you know the terrorists that only wanted to fly the planes uh, in the flight simulator and didn't want to learn how to land um, you know coming from another country learning how to be an airline pilot or whatever um, these sorts of things should have been... I mean, at the time, nobody knew. But, you know, terrorists existed back then. I mean, there were people that would hijack planes. Um, but uh, we just never really equated that they were going to do suicide runs with all the people on board. It's quite quite a different turn of events that 9-11 had happened. So uh, we need to be a little bit more vigilant. You know, we need to be a little bit more uh, communicative uh, with each other. And um, try and also show that, you know, Americans are uh, good people that don't need to be blown up. 
you know, it, it's it's really kind of crazy in, in the sense that um, we have a lot of pride in the United States for the country that we have and, and all the things that we've done all over the world. But, you know, in recent years, I can't honestly tell you what we've done um, for uh, people in foreign countries because it's not really something that anybody tends to advertise, right? I mean, sure, we go over to Afghanistan and we help liberate their country from the Taliban. I guess that was good. Um, and, uh, I mean, it was good, but, you know, I don't know what it's going to turn out to be at the end of it. Um, you know, we, same thing with, uh, Saddam Hussein, you know, we eradicated, uh, his rule and everything that he had going on. Um, uh, and I guess that again was good so far. It's kind of worked out right. Um, but the, uh, the, I couldn't tell you like the humanitarian stuff that's gone on. Like, for instance, um, Bill Gates. You hear about Bill Gates all the time. He's got his whole little empire of uh, whatever it is called that he goes out and does charitable work with uh, billions of dollars. And they manage to uh, sort of build, you know, a lot of benefits that we hear about, right? We hear about the stuff in Africa and the the vaccines that they've been distributing and the things that they're working on to make life better for people. And, um, we, we, in, and at any time you can go and you can find it out. Um, but I don't really hear any, but there's like the, the, the marketing department or the PR department for the United States government sucks when it comes to what we're doing for, um, foreign countries. Like nobody really cared for George Bush, right? Uh, George W. Bush, last president before, uh, Barack Obama and all that good stuff. So, um, the, uh, was that the president before Barack Obama? Jeez, my brain's melting. It's really late actually here. So don't, uh, don't diss me too hard. Brain's kind of melting. But, um, the thing is, is like George W. Bush, uh, actually gave a huge amount of money, uh, to, um, the fight for AIDS, uh, in Africa, and they really like him over there because he did this. It was one of the um, best things to come out of the United States in quite some time. And, uh, you know, we do a lot of things for other countries as sort of independent individuals, right? I mean, we, um, Doctors Without Borders and uh, the Red Cross goes everywhere and all that sort of thing. But what's the United States government doing? Other than, you know, all we hear about is predator drones firing missiles at people. And us having arguments with different people for different things. And I know we're out there giving food to other countries, but we only really hear about ourselves uh, giving money to other countries. And then we all get mad. We're like, why the hell are we giving $8 billion to Egypt when they hate us? And, you know, you hear those conversations all the time. Um, but uh, you don't hear about any sort of um, aid that's going on. And you know what? If I was president of the United States, this is this is something I've thought about. Now, I'll never be president of the United States. But if you are going to be president of the United States, because you're listening to this right now, one thing I would do is I would look at the fact that the United States Navy is way too big and way unnecessary. In fact, after World War II, um, there was an actual uh, thought process that we wouldn't need a Navy anymore because uh, the aircraft is uh, so dominant and the range of missiles so far that the Navy in and of itself is no longer, you know, has a purpose. Now, that's not necessarily true. Uh, you know, submarines have gotten very advanced and 
we do a lot of spying with the Navy and stuff like that, and it probably helps to have, um, you know, logistical support in order to move supplies and things back and forth. But, you know, on the whole, uh, having, you know, 11 aircraft carriers, uh, cruisers, battle groups, and all this sort of stuff is just, what are we doing with it all? We're driving it around, we're wasting a ton of money, and it's not really doing anything. Um, so what I'm saying is, is if you took a part of that, right, retire one aircraft carrier and its entire squad, its destroyers or whatever they're called these days, and its missile frigates and its cruisers and uh, all the support vessels and just put all those guys away, right? Take all the money and all the boats that you took and build a humanitarian fleet out of that that can respond to a disaster situation, Right? train them have some doctors in a boat uh that can like deal with an emergency have food supplies and training and everything there's a lot of fireworks going off in my house if you keep hearing booms that's people like just lighting off some big ones um and they should have all of this stuff like is one sort of group so that we have the you know air force marines the army the navy uh the coast guard and our maritime you know aid ship or whatever the hell you want to call it um that can respond so that next time there's a freaking katrina that wipes things out they can go into action right not sending a bunch of trailers down there or putting people on buses to evacuate them out but we could respond we could respond to the typhoons that happen and um all the devastation that constantly goes on it would make a lot more sense if we had some kind of big aid. Anyway, I'm getting kind of off track, but I really think that that's the sort of stuff that the United States could use to help sort of prevent and, uh, you know, have people in other countries think, yeah, you know, the United States isn't so bad anymore. Um, because, you know, we really do have the best intentions. It's just that our government doesn't always seem to be um, using our best and our best to do the best around the world. So... As far as the NSA goes, I really think that um, the politicians that are um, authorizing this should investigate further as to the um, the value that they're getting. But it's very hard to be a politician and make the sort of call that's necessary because you don't want to be in a situation where you have another Boston Marathon-style bombing and then people say, well, what happened? And the NSA stands up and says, well, we could have found this out had you guys let us use uh, this phone search stuff. And you just said no, even though it was really benign. And now people are dead. Because that just, you know, the, the reality is, as much bullshit gets thrown around in conversations like that, uh, the vast majority of the American people respond emotionally uh, rather than logically and they'll just vote people out of office or they'll demand people resign and uh, then they'll demand for more security it's uh, an unfortunate side effect of all this and i think that cooler heads need to prevail i think that we need to make sure that we are living up to what our forefathers wanted for this country and that is to reduce the amount of uh nannying that goes on in this country that sort of um, is keeping us safe and allows us to have a little bit more responsibility for our own safety. I'm, you know, a perfect example of this is seatbelts. 
uh, in cars. And I think every state, I don't know if it's every state, maybe Alaska has a weird rule, but I think just about every state has a rule now that you have to buckle your seatbelt um, when you're in your car. Now, this is a good idea, buckling your seatbelt, because, you know, if you get into a car accident, you might want to survive. And even if you're a really great driver, somebody might smash into you, kind of like what happened to Sam Kinison, and kill you. So wearing your seatbelt is a smart idea. Making a law that enforces that idea is fucking stupid, okay? Because that is totally a personal choice. It has nothing to do with anybody else. If you get killed, that was your choice, all right? It's like, and here, listen, even if you're thinking, well, that's not really, you can get a motorcycle license. And a motorcycle does not have a seatbelt. It doesn't have a airbag it doesn't have side impact protection okay and in a lot of states you don't even need to wear a helmet in fact in ohio only the first year you have to wear a helmet and after that you can just squash your melon on anything you want why because it's your own personal choice so if you're driving a car that has a lot more protective you know gear on it these days um you shouldn't have to have to wear a seatbelt. stupid it's stupid um I could sort of see, like, maybe turning your lights on when it rains, although I think that's dumb. I also think um, telling people that they can't talk on their cell phones when they're driving is bullshit. It's, you know, people went through the 70s talking on CB radios, like truckers today drive around talking on CB radios, uh, tuning them in, playing with the radio, eating Big Macs, putting makeup on. I don't know. And nobody's dying. I mean, maybe some guy is, I don't know what happened. I was dialing 911 and I smashed my car into this other car. I mean, yeah, it happens. But that guy's going to get, to me, that guy's going to get fucked up anyway. He's going to get distracted anyway. Um, I don't think you can sort of enforce uh, people to pay attention. It's just, it's ridiculous. So that's just a different argument, though. But I do think that, you know, seatbelt's dumb. I, I think those laws should be retracted because... Uh, this is the government just constantly, constantly adding laws and adding laws to nanny us and restrict our freedoms and, and make us do exactly what they want us to do rather than us having our own sets of freedoms and living our lives um, how we want to live them. And uh, we really have to stop it. And we really need politicians to... Look at these things and not just say, well, you know, putting on your seatbelt is a good idea. And rather have them sit there and say, you know, it is a good idea, but we don't need a law to enforce it. We just need to maybe spend a little money educating people, right? Because, you know, just put the commercials on and educate people and let people make up their own mind about it. Because big deal put your seatbelt on not a big deal and that's probably why most people don't fight the law because they're just like well okay i'll put it on but you've given up something there you've really kind of given up something and that's the same thing with letting the nsa have a little bit of your phone call every time you call somebody you've given up a little bit more all the time you're giving up little pieces and little pieces until you're not free anymore until you're completely stuck in this country i mean look there was a time you could go over to Canada and you didn't even need a passport. Not anymore. Now you have to have a passport. Same with Mexico, actually. But you gotta have a passport. And the thing is, is like, really? Canada. Canada. And that's where we're at as a country. It's it's something where we're um, 
we're getting to the point. We're getting really closer and closer to the point where, you know, like, right, you know, we have these checkpoints. They, they sit outside and they look for drunk drivers, right? But they look for anybody. I mean, they're running everybody over everything. They're running your plate when they pull you over. So in the middle of the road, there's a checkpoint, a police checkpoint. I mean, if they were just in, like, Nazi uniforms, I don't want to do the God wins law, but really, if you think about it, if you were just pulling up to a Nazi uh, uh, line, um, it's kind of like the same thing. Your papers, please. Um, pull over there. We're going to search you. We're going to look through your stuff. And we just let this shit happen all the time. And it's um, it's a shame because I don't really think that a lot of this stuff is even being done um, with the intention of safety. Uh, rather, it's being done with the intention of getting money. And uh, I don't know. I think as a country, we have to do a better job of finding politicians that understand these problems and want to change them and i don't want to take away people's security by any means um, but i do think that we could be more creative in the ways that we go about um, hunting terrorists for instance rather than just keeping the entire country's calls um, in a in a file somewhere for people to look through and scrutinize um, I don't think terrorists are using the telephone. I don't think they're calling anybody. I, you know, I don't think any of the 9-11 terrorists picked up the phone and called you know, Osama bin Laden and said, Hey, man, I'm here in America. Tell me what you want to do. Uh, I think that they're smart, and they pretty much knew what was going to happen if they did pick up the phone and call somebody. So um, maybe the NSA has stopped a, a couple of potential plots, but you don't really know how much other stuff um, was involved in stopping those plots because I, I doubt seriously that they just um you know matched some phone records up and found something out so anyway i'm against it i'm sure you are too uh, all i can say is, is that um you know we have to really get our country back on the right path and i don't think it's a democrat or a republican thing i think it's a citizen thing i think people that are doing the voting uh, you and i need to choose people that are, uh, you know, just better politicians. And it starts locally. I mean, keep in mind, you know, a lot of times people say, well, I want to vote. I don't have any choice. I got one lunkhead over here and one lunkhead over there, and they're both idiots. Well, that's true. I'm not saying that's not true. But the thing is, is that when you go to vote, you do vote for other things in you know you'll be voting for your local mayor you'll be voting for your local ward councilman you'll be voting for your house of representative guy your uh senator dude or whatever's going on right your judges and your sheriff and your i mean the whole thing's on there and i don't think most americans do their homework and see what else is available out there because really if you start with somebody that's uh say in the house of representative if you pick a representative that um really represents you it's a good chance that that guy could then uh eventually uh run for a senate seat and then run from senate right into the white house uh so you know your small vote you know even in your local community matters because it could influence and set things apart so i really think people should just Take a minute, look at the candidates a little bit better. You know, what I do, basically, before I go vote is, uh, I, you know, basically the night before I get, you know, all of what I have in my head, what I've heard over all of the weeks and months and everything, 
leading up to whatever election I'm voting for. And um, I sit down and I, you know, spend a few hours actually doing some research on each person and making sure that they match up to what I want them to be and not what people tell me um, that they are. Because, you know, you can learn a lot of things about uh, policy that way, but you can also just sort of um, help to steer things locally. Like, you know, local elections are funny. Uh, if you're in a ward, right, and it's a ward election, your ward might only have like um, 500 voters in it. And it could get really close if two people are actually very popular in your ward. So that um, your vote could totally turn the tide. It could be tied up and you would have the deciding vote over which ward councilman you're going to have. And um, a lot of the presidential elections have also been very, very close. Um, not this last one, but some of the ones uh, with George Bush, etc., were... Um, are extremely close and so you know uh, your vote does count it does matter and I think that uh, you should definitely do a little bit more research and try and as a country we should all work harder to um, stop a lot of the intrusions on our rights so that's Kevin's old blast for this week hope you enjoyed it uh, try and do another one not too far away uh, getting back in the swing of things here. Not quite where I want to be yet. Still got to get a dog pen put in and uh, got a whole house to sell because um, of my mother passing away. So, yeah, it's going to take a while before I get more of a general rhythm going. But overall, glad to be back. Have a good one. Thanks for listening. Oh, and uh, by the way, um, if you want to write into the show and you have questions or um you want to suggest something that uh, we should talk about on the show, send an uh, email to editor or Kevin, it doesn't matter, at videogamenews.com. And, uh, you know, I'll take it and uh, maybe talk about it on the show. Uh, also, we have a Oblast um, page on Facebook. I think if you just do a search for um, Oblast, there's probably one of the few things that actually shows up in that search. But uh, it's OBS. O-B-L-A-S-T, O-Blast. Um, and if it doesn't show up, you could do like O-Blast Radio or something. And it should probably. You can also find me on there and Video Game News Radio. So, um, you know, add it to your Facebook, find out more news, find out more stuff. And, uh, you know, we're doing some videos now on YouTube and all that. Um, so you definitely want to, you know, want to laugh. Uh, check it out. All right. Again, thanks for listening. Talk to you later. Bye.